Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, tomorrow, tomorrow will finally be the day when I release all of the results from my investigation almost a week ago between Las Vegas and Area 51. And uh, it's going to be a very comprehensive presentation with a video with supplemental links, with a special podcast, with a press release. All this is going to be ready tomorrow. And so if you want to be one of the first people in the world to receive info that this is available and where to go and how to see it and all that, just go to joshuapwarren.com. There is no period after the P, and you can sign up there for my free e-newsletter, because I'll be blasting that out tomorrow when this is finally ready to release. Now, tomorrow is a very exciting day, and in fact, the rest of this week is going to be really exciting, because I can't wait to see what kind of a reaction that we get here. But there are some things that I uh, researched that were interesting but not quite relevant enough to put into the big release in any substantial way. And so I figure I'd go ahead today and talk to you about one of those things. Um, You must understand that I really do believe that ancient people were quite smart and they had a lot of great, amazing stuff to tell us but they didn't know how to record it in any other way than just hammering something into stone, you know, making some kind of a petroglyph or a carving, because everything else, it's so um, delicate. I mean, you have fires that wipe out entire libraries and paintings, and I mean... Sometimes you think maybe tons of information have been left for us from people from thousands of years ago, and most of it's just been destroyed or worn away or confiscated. And so now sometimes all we have left are these rock carvings and petroglyphs. And I don't look back at somebody like Sir Isaac Newton and say that he was stupid because if I showed him a cell phone, he wouldn't know how a cell phone worked. Of course not. He was a brilliant man, and he just wasn't living at a point in time where the collective research had built um, discovery upon discovery upon discovery to get to this point to explain how this total package of technology would work. So that's why I think when we look back at indigenous peoples, people who lived thousands of years ago, we should never just dismiss discount out of hand what they were trying to tell us and what they were trying to um, to leave behind for us and you know uh, a few years ago I was in Ponce Puerto Rico and uh, I had the privilege of going to investigate the Tibas uh, indigenous ceremonial uh, property and had the uh, actual doctor there who was in charge of the place as a curator uh, He took an interest in the fact that I took an interest, and so next thing you know, he's opening up locked doors and taking me and uh, Captain Ida behind the scenes and allowing us to, uh, to really look at this wealth of material 
from thousands of years ago, and again and again and again, what you would see were things that looked like aliens. And not surprisingly to this very day, that is part of the pathway where people see a lot of UFOs and strange lights and aliens. And, you know, you can tell a big difference between something that looks like a human and something that looks like an alien. And it's one thing if you just have one example of the alien. It's another thing when it's hard to find an example of the human because so much of the stuff they do looks like an alien. So whenever I go to get serious and start researching places, I really do, I take seriously the, um, the petroglyphs and anything that the ancient people there may have, have tried to store, record for us. And so when I started looking into my trip to go to Area 51, I was taken a bit by surprise to realize just peripherally, this is not something that's very highly promoted, but some of these little towns that dot the area near Groom Lake and Area 51 also say, well, we've got these petroglyphs around, and many of them feature this mysterious character called Paranagat Man. And I was like, huh? So if you look at a picture of Paranagat Man, and you don't have to do this today because tomorrow I'm going to give you the information about how to go to my complete report where I will have Paranagat Man images, but I'll just give you a description. Paranagat Man, he looks like a humanoid figure, okay, he's got two legs and two arms, but that's about it. The rest of his body does not look natural at all. He looks like he's wearing some kind of a suit, like some kind of, dare I say, a space suit. It's a big, like, you know, sort of bulky enclosure around his torso and head. Um, there is no real neck here. Often the head will have a very oval or even squared sort of look with something that is a quite pronounced antenna sticking off the top. And then he has just two big old eyes and that's it. You know, there there are there's no mouth or nose, it just it's like two big eye holes in this clunky suit with an antenna coming off the top of the helmet. Very weird looking. And uh so I was like, what the hell is this? Well, Pranagat Man is, uh, he's named that because of the people in that area. They were uh, called the Pranagat people. And they were part of a group of Native Americans that lived in that area called the Paiute. And um, just to give you a little bit of background, I actually... Uh, found a nice little brochure produced by the Lincoln County Archaeological Initiative Project. And it says, The Nevada Rock Art Foundation produced this product with funding provided by the sale of public lands by the Bureau of Land Management and approved under an interagency partnership authorized by the Lincoln County Land Act. So this is this particular a brochure is about one of these little communities that has this rock art called Ash Springs. And it says, uh, Ash Springs provides an accessible glimpse into the cultural lives of the Native American peoples who lived in the valley for thousands of years. 
prior to the arrival of Euro-American settlers in the mid-19th century. The remains of prehistoric campsites and rock art co-mingle at Ash Springs. The nearby Hot Spring was a favored spot for prehistoric hunter-gatherers, as well as early American ranchers and settlers. Says Ash Springs was used by hunter-gatherers from around 6,000 years ago, but appears to have been most intensively used as a camp during the last thousand years. Historically, Ash Springs was a base camp for the Paranagat Paiute people, a regional group of the southern Paiute. During the spring and summer, people lived in small camps of two to three family households. They ranged from these camps to hunt large and small game fish, gather seeds, fruits, berries, nuts, roots. And so then the, the brochure goes on to tell you more about these people. So this is a branch of the Paiute Native Americans who lived in this area, and it's pretty amazing because when you go there, you find that there's just barren desert and rock for miles and miles and miles and miles, and then all of a sudden, you reach some little green valleys, and uh, it's because you have these springs, these natural springs that have been there forever. There's a place called Coyote Springs, and then Ash Springs, and Crystal Springs. So you have these little springs that obviously would have been very exciting for anybody living back in, in that time period. So I thought, wow, what a cool thing that there are these carvings, you know, these rock carvings, these petroglyphs, showing this weird alien-looking dude called Paranagat Man that just so happens to be in this area where we now have this classified... UFO, well, this classified military installation called Area 51 that people associate with UFOs and aliens. Which made me think, hmm, is it possible, you know, that we're looking at the chicken and the egg here, and maybe one of the reasons that that spot, Groom Lake, aside from just technical reasons, was so appealing to those who developed the base was because this already was a hot spot for... UFO and extraterrestrial type activity. I mean, I don't know. So I was like, well, you know, my my primary goal when I go on this trip is to take all these scientific measurements, which you'll be learning about tomorrow. But in the meantime, I'd love to have an opportunity to glimpse some of these petroglyphs. And it turns out that getting to some of these petroglyphs is more difficult than um, than one would hope. Uh, especially since I hadn't really accounted for what it was going to take. To get to some of them, you have to drive to a place called Mount Irish, and then you have to drive a long ways and get out and hike and stuff, and I didn't have time to do that. And then there's a visitor center there in Alamo, Nevada, but it's closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I was going to go to the... I, I went to the visitor center on Tuesday, and uh, wouldn't you know it, you know, it's closed, but somebody else told me, uh, I ran into a workman there, who said that um, there actually is a petroglyph of Paranagat Man on a hiking trail that's near the entrance to the visitor center, but that that trail is now closed down and off limits to the public while they're doing some renovations and construction. So anyway, bottom line is, I never got to personally go and look at one of these petroglyphs. It was just too inconvenient and it was out of the way and I didn't have the time to do it because that wasn't my primary goal but 
if you're interested in taking a look at these Piranagat Man figures, which are just, like I say, they're mysterious. I think, you know, the best anybody's come up with is like, this must be some kind of shaman. Tomorrow, you'll be able to see them as a part of my release. But if you want to look now, uh, Piranagat is spelled P-A-H-R-A-N-A-G-A-T. P-A-H-R-A-N-A-G-A-T, Piranagat Man. If you just go to Google and type that in and then click the uh, images category, you know, you'll see all kinds of interesting examples of this. And in fact, um, it's my understanding that he is so distinctive that uh, some of the folks in the area who are like with the Chamber of Commerce and stuff have considered turning him into like a trademark for the area um, to entice tourists. But uh, nonetheless, what I can tell you is that he's a weird-looking carving from thousands of years ago. Does not look like a human. Looks like some kind of alien. And um, I, you know, at some point I'll make a trip back up there, and it'll be to look at petroglyphs because there may be some other carvings up there where I'll see something that I'll notice that's pretty weird and outstanding that the average person wouldn't notice. So I'll definitely keep you updated on that. But that's uh, something that, you know, I very, very briefly mentioned in the uh, results from tomorrow. But still, interesting enough that I wanted to take time today to explain to you a little bit more about it. I don't know what it is. My best guess is it's some kind of a rendition of an ancient visitor from another place. Some, you know, ancient astronaut, some alien, somebody came from space and uh, inspired these people to carve Piranagat Man. And wouldn't you know it, just happens to be right there at the extraterrestrial highway and Area 51, and they are speckled all throughout that area. So, very interesting to me. Uh, Okay, well, I guess that's it for today. Tomorrow's uh, the big one when you get all the information. And so, uh, again, be sure to go to joshuapwarren.com. Uh, subscribe to the free e-newsletter, sign up for uh, the podcast here. You can just do that by clicking the link to the podcast, and you can subscribe in various ways. Or follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new podcast is available. I'll tell you everything tomorrow. I will release everything tomorrow. I'll tell you where to go, how to see it all, and then we sit back and just see what happens. So, thank you for your interest. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.